0: The best advice I can give to everybody is think about audiences in a bigger, broader context. So think about regional location, think about job title, think about industry, think about these kind of bigger things and then reduce down from there. So when I go into, you know, targeting even for an event, I think about, okay, here are some of the titles I can't really target based on title, but I can target by CXO.
1: Hi, welcome back to SaaS Half Full, the only show serving B2B SaaS marketers. I'm Lindsay Groper, president at Blast Media, and I will be both your host and bartender today. I had a conversation today with Ryan Sonnenberg, who is the director of marketing at Savvy Money. Now, Ryan and I are speaking today specifically to either early stage marketers, so early in your career, and or seasoned SaaS marketers who might find themselves at a startup with limited resources and limited budget. And we're gonna talk specifically through where you might be leaving audience data on the table and different platforms, different analytics solutions, different tactics that can yield some very interesting and useful audience data for you. So if you care to grab a drink and join me as I drink my margarita and speak with Ryan from Savvy Money.
0: Hey, Lindsay, how's it going?
1: It is going well. I'm excited that we're finally connecting. We've been trying to do this thing for a couple of months with no success. So here we are. It's nice to meet you.
0: We know the world of marketing is constantly going. It never stops.
1: Well, the rest of my team gets the pleasure of working with you. Ryan is a client of ours at Savvy Money, although you and I have never met. And we're doing so over a drink today. I poured a margarita because it's what was here in the office. What are you drinking?
0: This fantastic kit that you guys sent me, by the way, is awesome. This is the 101 Bourbon Bramble. And it took me a couple of attempts to actually make it, but here we are. So cheers to you, Audrey.
1: Well, today we are going to be talking about a number of different things, but specifically for those of you that are either earlier stage marketers as an earlier stage in your career, where maybe you don't have a team around you, or maybe you're a seasoned marketer, but you're working for a smaller company. Don't have a large MarTech stack or potentially that stack has shrunk here in the last 12 months, as many of yours have, we're going to talk with Ryan today about maybe ways that you are leaving some audience data on the table, some easier places that you can find data and find your audiences that maybe you haven't thought of in the past that are just sitting right there in plain view. And it goes well beyond looking at your Google Analytics, looking at your site analytics and LinkedIn, which we all know is our go-to. But before we do that, Ryan, I want to give our listeners a bit of understanding of you. If you can give us a quick overview of how did you get into B2B SaaS marketing? Is this your first go around? Been in a while. What's your journey?
0: I'll start back. So in college, I worked for a tiny little bank called Wells Fargo. No one's ever heard of that before. And then before that, went over to a credit union called Pima Federal Credit Union in Tucson. They're probably some of my favorite people in the entire world. And luckily, now that I'm back in the credit union world, I get to work with that a little bit more often. But went over to SAP, did SAP global marketing for a hot minute for about eight years and did a lot of B2B marketing for them, both on the regional side, focusing on the U.S. and then went over into global marketing and then into new and emerging technology segment where I got to help small businesses grow. And so that's ultimately why I found my way over to Savvy Money. You know, I met a really wonderful group of people back when I was in the credit union world and had a really good friend of mine reach out and told me that Savvy Money is looking for a director of marketing. And here I am. So about six months in, very much learning. You know, this is such a cool business, such a cool industry. Financial tech business is ever-changing and always growing. And it's been a really, really fun ride for the last six months.
1: So you were the buyer now that you're targeting Savvy Money. And for those that don't know what Savvy Money is, please give a speed dating version of why the company exists.
0: So we are a B2B software company. We basically sell credit union solutions to banks and credit unions, but we do it through partner organizations like a Q2 and NCR, different organizations like that. So our buyer is ultimately a bank or a credit union, but we have to do a lot of partnership marketing. So we have to do a lot of like relationship building and a lot of conversations mainly through big tech companies. It's been a very interesting b 2 b to b marketing model that we've had to kind of adapt. But as we're going to talk about today, I'm going to talk a little bit about the nuances and the funny part of B2B and B2C and kind of blurring business and pleasures, which is always the fun part when you think about it for us marketers.
1: For sure. We just think about you as Ryan, me as Lindsay is those lines really, it doesn't exist anymore. I mean, where I go online, Sort of to play is also where I work, so I'm getting my sort of my entertainment value and work related. So there's a life and work. It all blurs together from whatever your preferred platform is. For a lot of people, it's TikTok. You do find yourself the way the algorithms work, right? It's serving up both your personal interests and your professional interests, so there isn't that divide anymore. I feel like we, we did used to tune into brands a lot more to see what the brands had to say and what their points of view were. Now we turn into people and those people are serving us both on our professional side and our personal side. Ryan, how is your marketing team structured as you're sort of doling out some wisdom and advice? People can get in the same headspace as you. How are you structured?
0: So we're a marketing team with three. So it's myself. And then we have a corporate marketing manager. He's really kind of a generalist. And then we have a marketing intern, you know, so there's three of us that do the full marketing stack. Me as a director, I focus on team building. I'm also focusing on our digital marketing. A lot of our events are going to our corporate marketing manager. He's really kind of diving into the event logistics and focusing on that part of the business. And then our intern is our savvy social marketer. He knows the industry, he knows what's going on. He knows the trends and that's been really beneficial to us as well. So that's how our team is structured today.
1: Good. And that the context is helpful because I don't want our listeners to be sitting here. You know, you have a marketing team of 50. Easy for you to say, Ryan, but you're building it, you're living it. So it is helpful context to understand where you are in sort of building out the marketing org and the technology stack at Savvy Money. So let's start with audience. Everybody who listens to this podcast understands that it is important and that you must make sure that you're marketing to the right audience at the right time but talk to me about doing that theory versus putting that into practice and where that tends to break down
0: yeah so it breaks down honestly at the first instance of thinking you want to do audience marketing because if a marketer goes into their audience marketing and says i'm just going to focus on one kind of persona you're going to find yourself disappointed Because you're going to figure out that some of these tools and some of these technologies, for example, LinkedIn, you know, before the call, we were talking about thinking beyond LinkedIn, there are only certain demographics, and there's only certain things that you can actually target on some of these stacks. So really, what I've learned, and the best advice I can give to everybody is think about audiences in a bigger, broader context. So think about regional location think about job title think about industry think about these kind of bigger things and then reduce down from there so when i go into you know targeting even for an event i think about okay here are some of the titles i can't really target based on title but i can target by cxo i can target based on a director level or vp level and then i also probably want to reduce it down from there i want to reduce down honestly by age because the people that i'm going to be targeting you know who's going to ultimately be my buyer At the end of the day, is it going to be someone in the 18 to 24 range in the financial services industry? Probably not. Is it going to be someone 65 plus? Probably not. The more that I can reduce down the people that I'm actually focusing on and do some of those exclusions, the better it's ultimately going to be. So think about your audience from a broad standpoint, and then how can I start to cut some people out and start doing some exclusions? That's been the biggest driver for us as a company is really trying to make sure that we're excluding the wrong people from some of our audience marketing and make sure that we're including the right people, especially at the right time. Now there's tons of different tech out there that says to help you with these things. And I think like you kind of get into the weeds into some of those nuances, and then you forget that ultimately at the end of the day, it's simple as how do I get some data and then how do I capture some leads?
1: What tools are you using to whittle down that audience?
0: The big one is HubSpot. We use that for most of our ad spend. And HubSpot doesn't come with a huge budget. Any marketer who's pretty new or has a new marketing team, you know, can launch a HubSpot account relatively easy. This isn't an ad, obviously, for HubSpot. We as an organization have a ton of different tools that we use, and HubSpot's just one of those tools in our arsenal. That allows you to do a lot of audience segmentation and a lot of that drive down. Other than that, there's a really fantastic tool that Google has launched called Customer Match. If you're a brand new marketer, and you're just starting with your very first LinkedIn ad, you're just starting with your very first Google ad instance, you know, look in the customer match. The coolest thing about that is that'll actually take, you know, those ads that you're running through LinkedIn, it'll take some of those different tools and some of those different tool sets, and it'll actually run those ads and everything for you matched through those platforms. It's a nice addition. It's something that we've been toying around with and using pretty regularly here lately.
1: And if you're just spinning that up for the first time, and if you're you know, just spinning up literally your first in campaign, campaign, and you're looking at your analytics, like how do you know if it's good?
0: We look at industry benchmarks. It's very nuanced, especially for us being in financial services, but also financial technology. Like those are two completely different KPIs that we're kind of trying to metric. So we are just basically taking an average of those. The way that we kind of determine success is we basically focus on the specific companies that we're even trying to do business with. So that's the best part about being a B2B marketer, especially in financial services. You know, banks don't really just sprout up overnight. You know, there's a lot of building and there's a lot of regulation that goes into it. So we usually know pretty early on that there's like a new bank or a new credit union or a new FI that's starting. So that just makes it really easy for us to go onto LinkedIn and basically figure out who's starting these companies and who's trying to launch. And that gives us so much data. I think that that's probably one of the more underutilized platforms still to this day. I mean, anytime you listen to any social media marketer out there, they always talk about, oh, LinkedIn is the last frontier. The click is just incredible on LinkedIn. But you just have to know how to use it right. And you just have to know how to search for the right people at the right time.
1: Do you have any tips or tricks to share? Or maybe it is features on LinkedIn that you've discovered that most people don't utilize. Like someone told me about a LinkedIn newsletter feature. Super smart. I had no idea it existed because it follows whenever people leave their jobs and we're targeting marketers. So SaaS marketers y'all are leaving your jobs all the time, voluntarily or involuntarily, they still get the newsletter no matter where they go because it's following them on LinkedIn. And I didn't even know that feature existed. Have there been any discoveries that you've made on that platform that you would recommend others utilizing?
0: We use Sales Navigator pretty religiously. We're kind of doing a digital campaign right now where basically we're reaching out to fellow marketers at these FIs and me just wanting to have a conversation with them and We discovered more about companies than I ever would have thought, you know, I mean, just even looking at LinkedIn this morning, you know, Truist, a company that we've been looking at or wanted to talk to for a while, they're being mentioned in the news a lot. So it gives you a ton of information just kind of right within Sales Navigator. And that, again, is something that any person on LinkedIn can sign up for and then get that account level data without having a CRM, without having big ad spend. I think LinkedIn Sales Navigator is $80 a month per user, so it's not a very expensive tool, and it's just a wonderful thing that we get a lot of use out. So it's not just for sales. I'll throw that out to the marketers. We live in the world of sales. I always say that, you know, a marketer is a complicated salesperson because we have to know everything that's going on within every account. We don't have like a set focus number of accounts. So we have to know everything that's going on, not only within the industry, but within trends. We have to know what's happening at individual companies. It's a very interesting tool. And it's been honestly one of my favorites as a marketer.
1: Have you seen that there are specific formats that work best in LinkedIn? I don't even know the right terminology is sponsored post. If it's more of the direct outreach, if it is a display ad, what are you finding is the best format? We
0: use boosted a lot, just doing like your simple boosted posts. And that tends to work because we're basically trying to jump through the noise. I can't remember the stat, Lindsay, but I think it was on Twitter. A tweet only gets seen like every two seconds or something. And I think LinkedIn is every four or five minutes that someone scrolls by and actually sees something. So boosting actually gives you a really good focus on the people that already engage with you. So I mean, if you're brand new starting to LinkedIn, I would say kind of use it as a tool to get information, but then keep posting and make sure that you make it a regular cadence for yourself, but then pull that information and pull data in while you're building your audience. Cause you can do both at the same time. You know, you can be posting and also utilizing things like Sales Navigator or even seeing who's interacting with your posts. It's a really beneficial tool. So that's how we're mainly using it today.
1: And then what tools do you recommend for analyzing your site data? I mean, obviously everyone's using Google Analytics for now, but have you uncovered anything that's been particularly beneficial in audience segmentation?
0: Outside of Google Analytics, that's our main analytics engine. HubSpot and those give us some pretty interesting insights. For our social though, we use Hootsuite and that's actually been a really powerful tool. Again, low bar to entry, not an expensive tool. The integration with HubSpot is actually kind of nice. Those are really kind of the main three tools that we've been using more than anything.
1: Has there been a time where you recognize, maybe it was your six months and maybe it was at the start, where you realized like, oh, man, we are targeting the wrong audience with this vendor on this platform. And what did that look like?
0: For us, it's changed a little bit recently because we've been really moving away from like a broad targeting everybody model to really focusing on specific FIs. We've been focusing on rather large credit unions and rather large banks. In Google, we moved from a broad-based approach to really more of an exact model, and then we've been targeting based on location. That's been one other thing that's actually been wildly successful because we know where banks are located. We know where some of our biggest customers, their headquarters are located. So we're able to actually sit down and focus solely on Okay, we know that USAA, for example, is headquartered in San Antonio. There aren't other large financial institutions of that size headquartered in San Antonio. So we say that it's a pretty safe bet for us to invest a little bit of money into targeting this specific location. That's actually been really fruitful to watch that be the transition to go really from broad to very exact. But then that also comes with some other interesting things because being B to B to B, as I was kind of mentioning. There's platforms that we can interact with and certain ones that we can't. So then we just have to understand that data as well. And that just comes with time. That comes with understanding the landscape and understanding your audiences and then tweaking our Google instance to make sure that it fits.
1: When you say you're getting specific and targeting San Antonio, what does that look like?
0: That was just as simple as creating basically one ad account, creating one exact target match and then saying google hey we want to run this specific creative this specific text only in this area so then that way we're actually targeting creative that we're making specific to usaa to that area and then again we do some of the exclusions like i was talking about because we're not wanting to target tellers we're not wanting to target bankers branch managers potentially but we're probably wanting to exclude most of those folks out and just focus on those decision makers now the trick becomes when you do start targeting some of those higher decision makers, you know, your cost per click drastically goes up because we're not the only one trying to talk to the CMO or the CDMO or CFOs. That's where it becomes a little bit tricky, but if you can find the right mix of people, that's where they can just find all the data and all that insight.
1: Ryan, you talked about events earlier in the conversation. Do you feel like that's a place that people tend to leave audience data on the table and how does that show up?
0: So whenever we go to an event, we have about 55 different events a year We always find that it's really interesting trying to get marketing and sales to sing and dance to the same tune, especially when it comes to events. So we're always trying to get our sales folks to actually take the lead and do actionable follow-ups. Make sure there's a lot of reach out post-event because, you know, as we kind of go down the days post-event, it becomes harder and harder and harder to reach out to those folks. So we basically took a way to standardize anytime that we get either a lead list or if we get lead scans from the event, turn it into a formatted expectation that all of our sales teams have so that they know when they come back from an event that they have a certain number of days to do certain activities. The name of the game again in marketing is so often standardization. So how do we actually standardize the different processes that our teams are going through so that they know what to expect?
1: You're able to manage that process across all those 55 events. Man, you mentioned the lead, the way you collect leads and every event's going to have a different format function for that, but you're able to standardize that process post event.
0: Yeah. So it comes down to, again, if you do get a lead list from the company, then we usually do you know, a quick email campaign right at the very beginning of the conference. Then once we get back, we have the expectation that the different folks that are actually tied to those accounts are doing the follow-up. So we have a growing sales team, which is really cool. They're actually really focused on driving that net new pipeline, but they're using some of the data that we're getting from these events and then also from some social data and stuff that we're getting from our website.
1: Something that bugs me about events is when it's fine that I get an email, I'm on a lead list, but when the email says like, it was nice to meet you at or great meeting you at this event, I'm like, we never met. Do you have feelings around that? Does that work for you? Because it's different when they come to you, like you've been to your booth and scanned your badge, right? You know that there's been an interaction, but when there has not been an interaction, you recommend sending that like, hey, it was great to meet, even though you don't know if you met them.
0: We don't do a great to meet you email. We're trying to be helpful. The name of our company is Savvy Money. So we're trying to be a little bit savvy. I'll just throw out an example and i'll tell everybody a story so we had a conference that was at the swan and dolphin resort in orlando right outside of walt disney world and we basically wanted to tell everybody popular spots and different places they can go if they want to you know escape the hotel and go get a really good cup of coffee here's the nearest coffee shop this is what the locals say about it if you want to go out to a really nice dinner here's some of the top rated restaurants and in addition because our company does have a big Focus on, you know, financial fitness and financial wellness. We said, Hey, and if you want to go for a run, here's a two mile run. And we just mapped it on Google maps around the resort and where to go. So we really focused our communications more on that piece of it. So we're trying to be helpful because that is the thing that we provide. So we provide credit score solutions. We provide that to a financial institution and to a bank. So by doing that, we're able to take that narrative a little bit of a step further and just be like, how else are we being savvy for our customers and how else can we help you become savvy?
1: Any other places that you have found where audiences aren't being utilized? This is going to be really any platform. I know we talked about LinkedIn, we talked about Google, talked about HubSpot. Any other places that you have like an aha, like, man, I didn't realize that they provided that for me.
0: I mean, this isn't a marketing tactic, but networking. It's been so interesting. We focus on the credit union space. Everybody in our industry knows of Savvy Money just because of our ties to the credit union movements, especially to new marketers really know your industry and know what's happening within your industry. And as kitschy as it sounds, trying to understand the influencers and trying to understand who can actually go out and speak to your product. Anytime that we have an event, we go to a dinner, we always want to take prospects and our partners you know, along for the ride because we know that we can talk about our product all day. But until someone actually can sit down and say, we use this product and the integration was in less than six weeks and it was really easy, it didn't require a lot of time from my staff, they walked me through the entire process, we can say that all day until we're blue in the face, but having someone actually do the talking for us is insanely beneficial. Again, just holding a happy hour, you know, with some of your prospects and some of your clients locally to you, very low cost, very low cost to entry. And you're gonna get a lot of success out of those types of things. If you don't have that ability and you're online, try and figure out ways. Send a cocktail kit, have different people do a Zoom call together. We did that with one of our partners recently and it was awesome. Those are very low cost activations that you can do that take that one step further so that you're not just running ads on LinkedIn or cold emailing. That gets a little bit annoying to me too when you go to an event that's all you do is get a million emails, make it beneficial.
1: I think most of us are over just like getting a free dinner. We don't want to be inconvenient. So how are you adding value to the prospects at those dinners or at those events? It's because you're already taking advantage of the fact that they're there? They're at a conference and they will get entertained in that evening. But because I struggle with this sometimes, it's like, yeah, we've thought about this too. Our clients are all over the place. But like, do we go on the West Coast? We do the East Coast thing. But what's in it for them? How are we adding value to them and their time? Because it's not just to sit and hear about Blast Media.
0: This is actually kind of full circle because it comes back to the very first thing that we're talking about. You know, we we're talking about how B2B, to B2C, to or whatever it is, I hate to use this term, but it's really h to h you know, it's human to human connection. That's really what we're doing as marketers is we're facilitating a connection. So even if it's a happy hour, you might be facilitating or having a conversation with a prospect They might meet someone else that helps check off some of their business goals. and They're going to know that you facilitated that. And Wait, they were really helpful for me to do this. How are they going to help me with other instances and other parts of my business? I think if you kind of look at it that way, as being a marketer, we're just facilitating those conversations. That's where I find the most value and where I think our clients and prospects find the most value. They're ultimately all wanting to do the best job that they can do too and learn. And there's credit unions that are doing things awesome in one area and credit in others, they're doing things awesome in other areas. And if we can just bring those two together and if one of them happens to be a partner of ours and one of them happens to be a prospect, then it works for both businesses and then also for us.
1: No, that's great. Thinking outside of yourself and your needs and how can we help the possible of our partners? Is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure that we tackled on this conversation?
0: Probably the biggest thing that I would just tell marketers again is focus on the data. Anytime that you can get an email address or a name, that's a victory at the end of the day. If you're doing ads on LinkedIn and you get three likes on something, that's three people that wouldn't have engaged with your content if you hadn't posted that piece of content. Same with sending out an email. I know that you and I get bombarded with emails constantly from whether it's vendors or folks that want to work with us, it opens up a door, again, to facilitate that conversation and to figure out how we can actively work together on some of these.
1: Yeah. And to your point, three likes is better than no likes. So focus on even if they're small wins, they're wins, right? Yes.
0: And we have to as marketers, we have to focus on the small wins. That's the name of the game for us.
1: Well, Ryan, I ask every guest at the end of the episode if they have a favorite or signature toast to send us out. Trost? Okay. roast. And then we have a end of episode question that I call one last drink. And the question that I ask you, that I ask everybody else, is what do you wish more CEOs understood about marketing?
0: I wish that more CEOs understood the longevity of marketing and the key points. It's not a one time win, it's a bunch of small wins. And then that's ultimately what closes the prospect.
1: Love that. Completely agree. We are, as a PR agency, one little slice of marketing. Actually, one little slice of brand, which is one little slice of marketing. And I too wish that all CEOs understood that it's not something you just to turn it on. Like, I'm just going to turn on PR and poof, there it is. And then I'm going to turn it off. It is definitely a long drive, not a shortcut. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Thank you for sharing your insights with us.
0: Thank you for having me, Lindsay. Really appreciate it.
1: Enjoy your drink. Thanks again to Ryan for joining me on SaaS Half Full. Hopefully you wrote down a couple of anecdotes, maybe a couple of different platforms and tools that you can use to help in your audience identification journey as an early stage marketer. I appreciate you all tuning in. And until next time, bottoms up.